Chapter 33 of Carpenter's World Travels, Alaska, Our Northern Wonderland, by Frank Carpenter. Recording by Betty B. Chapter 33, Our Northern Game Preserve. In Alaska, the United States has one of the finest hunting grounds for big game in all the world. As the country is opened up by railway lines and motor roads, more and more American hunters will take advantage of the territory's splendid opportunities for sports, which are now but little known. They will swarm over the Kenai Peninsula after the giant moose and the great brown bear. They will chase the caribou over the Tanana Valley and will climb the Alaska Range to kill mountain sheep and goats. They will even make excursions to Mount McKinley, and some may go farther north to hunt the mighty walrus and the polar bear. The government has prepared for the coming of the hunters by enacting stringent laws defining the open seasons for certain animals and has set aside great game preserves, one of which surrounds Mount McKinley. Every non-resident of Alaska is required to pay from 50 to $100 for a license to hunt in the territory with an additional payment of $150 to kill moose south of latitude 62. Moreover, the hunter is limited in the number of animals he may kill, and even the residents cannot ship out their meat or send their heads as trophies without a special license from the government of Alaska. It will cost the sportsman $40 to export one moose, but he can send four deer, two caribou, two sheep, two goats, and two brown bear for $10. The law forbids hunting of game animals with dogs or the use of shotguns larger than 10 gauge. The open season varies in different parts of the country. North of latitude 62, brown bear may be killed at any time, and moose, caribou, sheep, and sea lions from August 1st to December 10th. Walrus may be killed from May 10th to July 1st, and grouse, ptarmigan, and other birds from September 1st to March 1st. It is unlawful for any person in any one year to kill more than two moose, one walrus or sea lion, three caribou, three mountain sheep, three brown bear, or eight deer, and he must not have in his possession on any one day more than 25 grouse or ptarmigan. On the Kenai Peninsula, it is necessary to have a licensed guide who will charge from 5 to $10 a day. The guides, who may be either white men or Indians, are appointed by the governor and their names are published. During my trip across the Kenai Peninsula, I saw several sportsmen from the big cities of the states. Most of them were after the moose, which is abundant in that region, and they were enthusiastic over their prospects. It is now prohibited to shoot moose in southeastern Alaska, and it was not so long ago that the restriction on killing caribou in the Kenai Peninsula was abolished. It is estimated that there are still vast numbers of caribou on the barren lands of the far north. They live there in the summer and go southward in great herds for the winter. Several years ago, a drove of 30,000 came within a mile of Dawson and fed there on the hills. Men went out in automobiles to see them and great numbers were killed. The animals did not seem to be afraid of man and even the automobiles did not create a stampede. About 45 miles from Fairbanks is a hill known as Porcupine Dome where, the hunters say, the caribou of that region come together to start south in companies. They move in droves of thousands. After spending the winter in the south, 
they begin to straggle back again in herds of one hundred or so along in february and march caribou are still seen as far south as the lynn canal over a thousand miles from their summer home the chief food of the caribou is reindeer moss and their favorite feeding grounds are the treeless parts of the territory including the tundras along the coast of the arctic ocean and down to the pacific side of the alaska peninsula they scatter widely in summer and collect in bands in the fall each herd has its leader and it is said that if the leader is killed the rest of the herd becomes panic-stricken and stampedes back and forth until another caribou takes command one large drove of caribou collects almost every year along the watershed between the yukon and tanana rivers the hunters from forty mile eagle and circle and the other mining towns of that region rely upon it for a part of their meat supply i have seen a number of moose since i came to alaska i have watched them swimming in the yukon flats as we passed through on the steamboat and have picked out several with my field glasses along the banks of the streams they range over the timbered parts of the territory and are especially plentiful on the kenai and alaska peninsulas unlike the caribou they feed in the mixed woods of spruce poplar and birch along the river bottoms and on the sides of the hills during the winter they browse on the willows and young alders digging the bushes out of the snow the kenai giant moose is the largest of the deer family antlers are offered for sale which measure six feet from tip to tip and now and then one finds a pair that is more than six feet in width the moose are at their best at the close of the summer when they have grown fat on the rich vegetation they are most easily caught when the mosquitoes are so bad as to drive them into the rivers and lakes in the winter they are hunted by men upon snowshoes the moose are so heavy that they sink into the snow to their bellies when they get out of the sheltered places and will make for a lake or a river where they can travel over the ice from which the snow has been blown it is not uncommon to find a baby moose or calf as a pet in the mining town the calves are born during may and june and follow the cows until the next spring the most delicious meat of alaska is that of the mountain sheep it brings higher prices than any other game in the market but it is difficult to get and the supply is never abundant a hunter at fairbanks told me that he once saw six hundred sheep in one drove he thought himself lucky to have killed two before they got out of sight these wild sheep are different from those of the rocky mountains their coats are more like hair than wool the doll sheep named for william h doll the alaskan explorer is pure white with horns of jet black mountain sheep are most numerous in the kenai peninsula and in the alaska range there are some about mount mckinley where good hunting grounds may be reached by railroad there are also large numbers in the endicott mountains north of the yukon where for the most part they graze far above the timberline some attempts are now being made to domesticate the mountain sheep the lambs are caught and raised in captivity a farmer near copper center about one hundred miles from valdez is trying to cross the sheep with some he has imported from montana and other northern states he has been successful with some of his rams and is bred from about a half dozen mountain ewes the cross results in a large tame animal whose fleece is a combination of hair and wool the wool is thick and close to the hide while the hair extends out beyond it the meat is said to be superior to that of any 
except the wild mountain sheep itself. Bears are to be found almost everywhere in Alaska. No less than 13 different varieties are recognized by the scientists. There are four general types, the brown, the grizzly, the black, and the polar bear. With the exception of the polar bear, the brown bears are the biggest known. The largest of all are found on Kodiak Island in the Alaska Peninsula and about Yakutat, not far from Cordova. I have seen brown bear skins which were more than 10 feet long and 6 feet wide with fur upon them 3 inches thick. I priced one in a store at Juneau and it was $65. At Nome, all furs were cheap. I bought skins there of two baby grizzlies for $10 each and sent them home by parcel post. They weigh just under 20 pounds and it cost $2.40 to have them landed in Washington. Polar bear skins of enormous size are sold at Nome for 60 and $70, only a fraction of the price they would bring in the States. As for the common black bear, there are so many of them about the mining camps that they often break into the cabins when the owners are away. Every camp and village along the Yukon has one or more tame bear cubs which will eat out of your hand and go through tricks upon order. The polar bears of Alaska are found in Bering Sea and along the Arctic Ocean. The hunter who wishes to kill such game should go to Nome in the spring and travel over the ice fields northward into the Arctic. The bears move north and south with the ice drift. They come as far south as the Seal Islands and have been found as far north as latitude 79. Their food is chiefly seals and fish. The great bears lie near holes in the ice where the seals come up to breathe and grab them when their noses show on the surface. These bears are perfectly at home in the water and have been seen swimming in the Arctic 60 miles from land or ice. I am told by the hunters that they usually run on the approach of a man, but that they will attack one when they are hungry. There is a story told here about an Eskimo at Point Barrow who got in the track of a bear which was running from a hunting party. The Eskimo, who was shooting ducks, sent a charge of shot into the bear, who turned back, knocked the Eskimo down with one of his paws, bit off the top of the man's head, and resumed his flight. There is only one animal in the polar region that can successfully fight the polar bear. That is the great walrus, which often weighs more than a ton. The bears will attack the baby walrus, but they are afraid of the sharp ivory tusks of the grown-ups, which are sometimes two feet long. A full-grown walrus has been seen on the body of a dead whale, keeping away a polar bear hungrily swimming around it. A striking feature of Alaskan game is the provision that nature has made for their protection. Some of the birds and animals change their color in winter so that they cannot be seen against the snow. The ptarmigan, for instance, which is one of the finest grouse of Alaska, has a summer plumage of mottled brown, while its winter coat is snow white. The same is true of the rabbits, which are gray in the summer, but snow white in the winter. The rabbits of southern Alaska are twice as large as those of our eastern states, although not so large as the Arctic hare. They are sometimes called snowshoe rabbits because their feet are so large and soft that the animals can go over the snow without sinking. Rabbits are so numerous that they form the food of many wild animals. They are eaten by wolves, dogs, and bears, and even by the mink and the lynx. The eagles and ravens prey upon the rabbits, and Indians hunt them in companies, 
driving them to a center and then shooting them. They are also snared or shot to feed the foxes on the fox farms. I met one fur farmer who had killed 2,700 rabbits in one year as food for his foxes. Notwithstanding this, the animals multiply so rapidly that they would overrun the country were it not for a plague that periodically kills them by thousands. I have been told that this plague comes every seven years and that it is usually followed by an increase in the moose and other wild game. When the rabbits are plentiful, there are but few moose, and when rabbits are scarce, the moose are abundant. This may be from the fact that the rabbits injure the pasturage over which the moose feed in the same way that sheep will destroy it for other livestock. In the winter, the rabbits live on the bark of the willows, eating it down as the snow melts. In this way, they destroy great thickets by girdling the trees. End of chapter 33